0: And welcome to a Wednesday evening edition of the Toddcast. Uh, about to head home. It is the 9th of January um, when I'm recording this. And uh, got a little request uh, off the listener line um, that I would be hard pressed to ignore. So I'll let you listen to that and then I will kick into it. Hi, Uncle Todd. It's Hunter can you do a podcast on video games and keep it PG so my dad will let me hear it alright so that was my nephew um and I will do my darndest to keep this PG um because I want him to be able to listen to it uh I can respect the folks not wanting the younger set to hear uh the potty mouth that I can occasionally serve up so I'll, I'll do my best to go there So, video games, you say. Um... I do enjoy me some video games. Um... And I guess I should specify that I do enjoy me some vintage-slash-retro video games. Um... I haven't done any sort of hardcore uh, or serious video gaming for decades at this point. Um... It's just not something I necessarily have a whole heck of a lot of, of time, uh, to devote to these days, uh, which is sad, because I do very much enjoy them, it's just, I've got a lot of other things happening that tend to take up, um, my entertainment time, uh, but I can certainly speak about video games, um, understand Hunter slash perhaps other members of the audience that, uh, a fair bit of what I'm about to ramble on about are, uh, indeed, very retro, uh, potentially vintage, um, one might say ancient, uh, video games. Um, so if you end up needing to, uh, hit Wikipedia, uh, to, to, you know, know what games I'm talking about, um, I won't take it personally. I know I'm, I'm an oldster, uh, and that's how that goes. Um, I guess the easiest way to go about this, uh, as I tend to do is, is to go chronologically. Um, so, um, going on the definition of video game as being a thing that you connect to a TV screen or monitor and play, I would say the earliest game, um, that I experienced and enjoyed would have been a variation of Pong. Um, other, you know, fellow olds like myself probably know what Pong is, but for those of you who are, you know, especially young, Pong was basically, um, computer tennis, uh, and the graphics consisted of a, um, a bar on one side of the screen that you could move up or down, a bar on the other side of the screen that either the computer or your opponent could move up or down, and then a little tiny square that would bounce between the two, uh, and it was, you know, playing tennis or ping pong or, or, you know, things to that variety, uh, if it got past you, your opponent got a point, if you, you know, hit it with your little rectangle, you'd bounce it to the other side, um, good times, um, back in the day when that was the height of video gaming, it was, it was, it was revolutionary. Uh, I would imagine modern audiences will, would look at that as, like, seriously, you guys considered this fun? Uh, and the answer is yes, we certainly did. Um, the set that we had uh, wasn't officially Pong, uh, it was a Radio Shack unit um, that played Pong. I forget exactly what it was called. Uh, but that was the basic premise. It had several modes, which was exciting. Uh, it had two controllers built in so you could play know, one or two player, uh, you could, uh, there was a solitaire where the opposite, where the other player's thing was, it was a solid wall, and you just, you know, tried to volley it, you know, bounce it back and forth as long as you could without it getting past you. Um, it had some version to where you actually had two little rectangles to bounce it off of, um, that both moved up and down at the same time, but it it was, I guess, sort of to, to simulate sort of a doubles match, um, it was good stuff, um, you know, it was a thing that you would, uh, you know, rig into your television box, um, through an RF converter that wired into where you would typically screw in the antenna, uh, connections on the back of your TV, that's how old this was, it didn't even have a place to, you know, go into cable, let alone, uh, you know, the little red, white, and, uh, yellow composite things. There were actually screws that you used to, you know, screw your rabbit or screw your antenna into, but you would instead, uh, you know, plug, screw this thing into, uh, to get the signal to, to the, uh, to the television unit. Um, endless hours of fun as a youngster. I would say when we had that, I was probably somewhere around five years old or so, um, approximately. Um, Following that, somewhere in the 80s, and uh, again, I'm driving so I can't really look up the specific dates, but at some point in the 80s, the Atari became all the rage, uh, specifically the Atari 2600. Um, we did not have one in the early days. Um, you know, as technology tends to go, things are super expensive, uh, and then eventually you know, lower in price as the, the latest and greatest models come out. Um, and that was certainly the case for, for me in this case, and frankly, for most of the gaming units, uh, growing up, uh, we didn't have a whole ton of money growing up, uh, but I did have friends who had the Atari, and we played the crap out of that, uh, and then eventually we did get a unit, um, so I'll, I'll speak to that. I would say when we got our Atari, I would have been somewhere in the, I don't know, eight to ten year old range, um, and like I said, by that time, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred had been out for quite a while, uh, which was good because there were a wide variety of games that you could get. Um, the classics, of course, you know, being Pac Man, Donkey Kong, Frogger, that sort of thing. Um, there were a lot of sort of esoteric games um, that we would play. Um, because the Atari was, was pretty good about letting, you know, third-party folks make games for their, their system. Um, notably, Activision, uh, in my opinion, is was the best. Um, Pitfall was, was awesome fun. Uh, if you're not familiar with the classic Pitfall, uh, it was a side-scroller. You were a little dude. Um, just running as far as you could. Um, uh, hopping on ropes to cross over uh, lakes or hopping from alligator head to alligator head to cross the lakes. Uh, There were pits that you had to jump. Um, There were, you know, some pits that you went down and took you into underground levels. Uh, Snakes and scorpions to avoid. Um, Just really, really solid, good stuff. Um, I would say my personal favorite of all the Atari games um, was another Activision classic. Uh, and that would be Yars' Revenge. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to best describe this if you're not familiar with Yars' Revenge. Um, basically, you played as a, sort of an insect sort of thing. The backstory is something I'm not super clear on. Um, and you gotta realize back in the day with the, you know, the super limited graphics and, and, and audio, like, a lot of it was very abstract. Um, you were in this bug thing. I think it might have been, like, a spaceship that looked like a bug, as opposed to you are a bug. Um, but you were this bug. You could move around, um, down sort of the middle-ish of the screen. There was this, you know, patch of static that was kind of like a safe zone. Um, and on the other side, there was this cannon thing that had, um... A bunch of, you know, pixels and blocks around it. And basically your little bug would shoot and chip away at this, the, you know, the, the sort of shielding layer, the, the, the barrier to be, to get to the, um, uh, the cannon, uh, with the goal being to shoot the cannon and that would beat the level. And then you'd go on to the next one. Um, every now and then the cannon would, would, you know, shoot a fireball that would come after you. Um, Again, it seems really simple and really kind of odd to try and describe this, uh, verbally without having any sort of visual references to, to tie it to. I, am sure that if you hop on Google or YouTube for Yars of Revenge, uh, you can find some video and it will, we'll explain it. And I can't explain it, but I love the hell out of that game. Um, just, just enjoy the, 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 crud out of it. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, um. Like I said, by the time we got our Atari 2600, it had been out for a while, which meant there were a lot of games. Um, It was probably the most prolific in terms of games for Atari at the time, and there were a lot of third, you know, other companies other than Atari making games. Um, And so what this meant is that we would sometimes go to the store and they would have games, like, on discount, like, for really cheap. Um, not the, you know, major popular titles, but, like, some of the off-brand ones. Um, and so there were some really interesting and and cool games uh, from that. Um, Crystal Castle, I believe, wherein you're some sort of, like, bear wizard who bounces around shooting things and, and whatnot. Uh, that was good. Um, I guess the classic game that I think may have came with the console was Adventure, where you are a dot that goes around a maze, uh, collecting items, sort of solving puzzles. There are dragons that looked like weird sea horse creatures. Um, but that was super fun um, you had to you know go get this magnet so that you could pull you know the key from an area that you couldn't otherwise access and then take the key to the gate and find a bridge to cross over a thing and there were like a sword you could get to you know slay the dragon it was, it was very very nifty for something that you know the character in it was literally a, a itty bitty um, square of pixels with no detail uh, it, was, it, was, it was good fun Um, I would say probably the most complex game that we had for the Atari, uh, was the Space Shuttle game, um, which was essentially a Space Shuttle simulator, um, and not only did you use the, um, the joystick, uh, and the the button on the joystick, but it also made use of all of the levers and switches on the console itself like the little switch you would flip to toggle between black and white and Keller didn't actually toggle this game between black and white and Keller. It like opened the, 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 the cargo doors, uh, the, the switch that would, you know, are you using channel three or four to plug it into your TV? Like retracted the, uh, you know, like would separate the booster rockets in the early stages or like deploy the, um, the landing gear when you were trying to land. Stuff like that. Um, It was the first game for which I had ever, A, seen a walkthrough, and B, needed to use a walkthrough, and the walkthrough was printed right there in the game manual. Because it was as legit as you could for an Atari 2600 attempt to replicate a space shuttle simulator. It wasn't just, you know, push the button and you launch and then you cruise around in space and then you land. It was, okay, at the countdown, you have to, like, throttle this thing up to this level and push the button at the right time or you would scrub your launch. Or you'd get up a little ways and then, you know, your your segments wouldn't separate and you would blow up. Um, once you got up out of the atmosphere, after following all these instructions to get it just so, you had to, like... Adjust your pitch and yaw to just such a way, and you know, thrust ever so slightly to get into the correct orbit so that you could sync up with the satellite. And then, once the satellite was around, you had to, you know, rotate and stuff to get it, you know, to where you could get it into your cargo doors. Because you, like, you had to capture the satellite and then, you know, you quote unquote were fixing it, and then you had to, like, release it again, and then you could land. Uh, and like when you landed, you had to have your pitch at just such a level and your yaw just so, or else, you know, you'd burn up in re-entry. Like it was very, um, very complex and very unforgiving. It took me weeks to finally beat, um, the space shuttle game. Um, which I enjoyed the crud out of because, you know, as a youngster, I was a big fan of, you know space and space travel and science fiction and stuff. And it it was, it was, it was very fun. Uh, even though it might sound like work and boring, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd say the biggest of the bargain basement games was the ET game, uh, which if you are not familiar with the ET, uh, game, it's based on ET, the extraterrestrial, the movie from the eighties, which was a giant success, uh, in all aspects, except video gamery. Um, you could not throw uh, a wet sock uh, without hitting some sort of ET merchandise at one point uh, there in the 80s, uh, and so of course they made a video game. Uh, it is pro. It could quite possibly be one of the considered one of the biggest video game failures uh, in history. Um, seriously, go on Google or Wikipedia and look up the ET Atari game um, and read about it. It's it's pretty interesting. Like they ended up like filling a landfill with cartridges because just no one wanted them no one bought them. Uh, and then years later people came across them, um, you know, perfectly preserved because there were so dang many of them. Um, it's an interesting tale. Uh, but we had that game. I've played that game. I don't think it was necessarily as terrible as everyone seems to think that it was. I mean, it wasn't the best game. It wasn't super great, but I don't know that it was as awful as everyone said that it was. Um, but we had it and I, I played the heck out of it. Um, I don't think I ever beat it. Uh, but it was, it was fun. Um, thematically, uh, an interesting game. Um, and I'm curious if Eric remembers this, uh, given that nowadays he is such a huge fan of the band Journey. Uh, But there was an Atari game called Journey Escape, uh, wherein you were a member of Journey uh, trying to escape from a concert venue, uh, and you were chased by groupies and, you know, upset manager, and, like, just a weird cast of characters. Um, And it was you running through levels trying to evade people Um, all set to some, you know, 8-bit at best, uh, Atari 2600 music, um, renditions of Journey songs. Uh, it was, it was hilarious, and fun to play, and ridiculous, uh, and, and just good stuff. Um, there was a game called Hero, that I remember playing a lot, that I believe was also Activation. Um, I actually looked this up uh, before I got on here, because it's H-E-R-O, which was an acronym, and it apparently stands for Helicopter Evacuation Rescue Operation. And the premise for that is that you're a dude with a backpack that is a helicopter, like a helicopter backpack. Uh, And you navigate, uh, you know, sort of side-scrolling and -and up-and-down-scrolling way, uh, a series of caverns trying to rescue I think they were, like, miners, stranded miners. Um, and you also had, like, a laser beam that you could use that had, like, limited energy. You had to, you know, kind of ration that out. Uh, and then if memory serves, you could drop dynamite if there were particularly bad nasties. Or if you needed to, like, blow up a sectional wall to, to move forward. Um, played a lot of that. Um, there was a game called River Raid. Uh, which was a, it's not a side scroller, it's a top scroller, moved upward on the screen, uh, where it was an airplane, um, going along a river. Um, you could drop bombs or shoot forward and there were, you know, various enemies and ships in the water and airplanes coming at you. Um, and I remember when they released it, um, there was a challenge issued by the company that said if you could get to a certain score take a picture of yourself next to the screen with your score and send that to us and there was some sort of swag they would send you uh, and so played the ever loving nonsense out of that game uh, to try and get to that level and finally did and took a picture and mind you back in the day this was pre digital cameras so we took a picture on our you know camera that used you know a 24 exposure roll of 110 film that you then had to take to a place to get developed onto actual, you know, photo paper, um, which you would then, you know, put in an envelope and send to Activision, uh, only to find out after we'd done all of that and, you know, break into the manual for this thing to get the address that I had missed the deadline for the contest and not by like a few days, It was like two years old. Um, It was both sad and hilarious to me at the time. Uh, The amount of energy that went into completing this challenge, uh, all for nothing, and frankly, the challenge was over before it was ever, you know, came into my, you know, memory, and we even owned the game. Um, So that was good times. Um, I guess that, well, I guess, let me, let me stop talking about Atari. Atari. And actually, let me take a step back uh, because there actually was a video game system uh, that I'd played prior to the Atari, uh, and that would be the Intellivision. Uh, we never owned one, uh, my uncle Donald owned one, um, and it was a very good system. Uh, I would say, in terms of graphics quality, sound quality, gameplay, etc., it might have been actually superior to the Atari 2600. Uh, The 2600 were just more popular. Um, I'm hard-pressed to recall what specific games we played on the Intellivision. I just remember he had one, and every time we'd go to Grandma's, I would beg Uncle Donald, can we play the Intellivision? Can we play the Intellivision? And sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. Uh, But it was good times. Um, And just for completeness sake, I, I did rock the Intellivision. Um, there was a point that for Christmas, I had gotten a ColecoVision, uh, which was another, you know, game system, uh, you know, console, um, that had similar games to the Atari. Uh, I remember I had Pitfall 2 on it, uh, which was a little more in-depth, a little better graphics, a little more going on than Pitfall 1. Uh, it was the first game that I ever played in which you can't die. Like, if, you're, if you, are if you know, jumped into a pit or got eaten by a crocodile, you just respawned at the latest, you know, checkpoint that you crossed. Uh, I guess I should also say that back in the day, saving games was not an option. Um, Pitfall 2 was nice in that you had checkpoints and it didn't start you over from the very beginning. Uh, but when you were done playing for the day, if you powered your system off, you did have to start from the very beginning, uh, and I remember there being times where I would play and, you know, die and get sent back to the latest, you know, respawn point and, like, turning the TV off but being very careful to leave the console on so that tomorrow when I got in, I didn't have to start over from scratch and, like, keeping that going for, like, several days, um, but that was good stuff, uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other games we had for that, and it's just been too long. Uh, One of the neat things about the Coleco, there are a couple of neat things about the Coleco Vision. One, in addition to having sort of the joystick control, uh, the controls also had like numeric keypads on them, so you could do more things. And they had little plastic sheets you could slide in front of them that would tell you what, you know, the buttons were did for that particular game. Uh, which gave you more options uh, when it came to to play whatever your game was. You you could do more than just, you know, up, down, left, right, button press. Uh, Again, I'm hard-pressed to remember what games there were that took advantage of that and what those features did. But believe me, it was there, and it was a pretty cool thing. Um, One of the other cool features of the ColecoVision system... Is it had an expansion bay on the front of it, like in addition to places to plug in, you know, the, the power and the thing that went to the TV and the place for your controllers, and then a place for you to plug in your game cartridges. It had a thing in the front that you could plug other stuff into, uh, and one of the things you could plug into it was I want to think I want to say it was called the Atom. It basically turned your Coleco Vision into a computer. We never had that, which was sad, because I really loved computers and would have programmed the crud out of it, Uh, but it was an option for the ColecoVision. The one thing that we did have that plugged into that was basically an adapter that would let you play Atari 2600 games on the ColecoVision, which was awesome, because by the time I got to ColecoVision, our Atari Atari had died, but we still had all the games, which breathed new life into all of them was, you know, awesomely great stuff. Um, I want to say I had the Vision. I probably, let's see, we were living in Ferry at the time, so I would have been in at least the seventh grade at that point, um, which was at about the time that the Nintendo came out, um, and the original Sega came out, and when really, uh, your console wars sort of started in earnest back then. Um, the Nintendo came out, it kind of blew Atari out of the water, and it had a hard time keeping up. Uh, and Nintendo, the original Nintendo, uh, was kind of the top dog, uh, with, with the original Sega system coming in a close second. Um, again, due to cost, uh, cost of brand new shiny gear being prohibitive. We didn't end up getting a Nintendo until years later, uh, but we eventually did. Um, played a lot of games on it, the, you know, the original Mario, as you would expect. Uh, Tetris, I played Tetris to the point to where when you I went to bed at night I could hear the music and could see the shapes falling and, you know, with my eyes closed in my darkened Love Tetris, uh, still do. Um, would go over to my friend's house to play some of the more role-playing like games because obviously those were not allowed in the house. Uh, but like Legend of Zelda, used to go to Ray's house to play that. Um, I can't remember. I don't remember ever playing actual Final Fantasy back in the day, but other games that were very much like it, very much the the Japan or Japanese video RPGs, uh, where you made characters and went up levels and killed monsters and gathered treasure, you know, classic RPG goodness, um, in Nintendo form. Uh, we would go, you know, I would go to one of the fellas' houses and play those for just hours on end. Um, Yoshi's Cookie, Dr. Mario, um, there was a game, uh, what was it called? Um, I want to say it was called NARC, um, and it was either put out by or heavily promoted by the folks who do, like, the D.A.R.E. programs at school to, you know, keep kids off drugs uh, and whatnot, where you basically were a narc, a narcotics officer, running around, shooting up and, and, you know, or shooting at and capturing, you know, drug offenders uh, that I remember playing a lot of. Um, I remember us having some very interesting third-party Nintendo games that were, um, biblically themed. I want to say there was some sort of Noah's Ark game that we had, uh, where I believe you had to gather the animals, uh, to put them on the Ark. I want to say there was some sort of, you know, The Journeys of Moses game, um, that was hilarious. Um, And okay to play, um, but obviously something that fit in well in our household, uh, what with the, the rigorous, uh, Christian upbringing. Um, I guess I should also throw out as an aside, given, given that there were various points in my childhood where it was okay to play video games on Sunday and other points in time where that was not considered to be keeping the Sabbath holy and we were not allowed to play video games on Sunday. Um, and there wasn't, a, there wasn't a, a real hardcore sense of consistency there. Uh, like, there would be weeks on end where I'd be like, can I play Nintendo? No, it's Sunday. Okay, and then, like, a couple of months later, I'd be like, can I play Nintendo? they would be like, yeah, sure, go for it. And it never made sense to me. Uh, it was always a bummer when I couldn't play on Sunday because, let's face it, that's the weekend, you know, I've got to go to school and stuff Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday or prime video game times, uh, and to lose one of those, you know, I was not fond of, um, but just a little aside there, just a little, little piece of trivia, um, that's video game topic adjacent, I suppose. Um, like I said, we had, we had a regular Nintendo growing up, um, we never had a Sega or a Genesis. I had friends that did. Um, and I enjoyed you know, playing those. Uh, my favorite Sega Genesis title would definitely be Altered Beast. Um, if you ever get a chance to play it or some port of the classic Altered Beast, I highly recommend it. Um, and it's about that time where I went off to college and didn't really play many video games. Like, I had a, I had a computer at that point and started playing computer games. Uh, and so, if we're going to start branching off and talking about those, um, I played the original f- first-person shooter, as far as I'm aware, which would be Wolfenstein 3D, uh, which that engine would later be used to for the classic Doom. Um, which I played on my, my personal computer at the time, it barely met the requirements to play the game, but I gave it a shot. Um, again, this was pre internet. Uh, so there really weren't a lot of multiplayer options available in the early days there. Uh, mostly, uh, you know, games you played by yourself. Um, there were a series of Dungeons and Dragons adaptations, the gold box series, uh, pool of radiance, curse the Azure bonds, curse the Asia bonds in particular. Uh, my buddy had a Commodore 64 computer and had those games and we would go up to his head, go over to his house, um, and play. And by play, I mean, sometimes I would play, sometimes he would play and I would just hang out and watch and advise, go that way, go this way. Fight this guy that you know, like it was it was a weird it wasn't really multiplayer, but it were two it was two of us sort of combo hitting the one game. Um obviously I had to sneak to Mike's to play that, because I couldn't play that at home because it was DD, which of course is evil. Um we also played the original Bard's Tale on his Commodore 64, which was good times. Um As I got older, and I want to say it was after I was in the Navy, I got my first laptop, and the internet was a thing, and we started playing, uh, you know, more modern games, uh, which anyone listening to me rattle these off in the context of modern is sure to laugh at me, but at the time, it was cutting edge. Um, the original Diablo, I played a lot of that, uh, the original StarCraft, I played, um... I didn't play the original Warcraft, which was basically the same as StarCraft, except fantasy-themed. Actually, I think Warcraft came first. Um, and I'm not talking World of Warcraft, I'm talking Warcraft. Uh, where, you know, you harvest resources and build, you know, units to create, and, you know, it was more of a war game, um, and a resource management game than, you know, the, you know, sort of MMORPG that World of Warcraft became. Um original Starcraft and the original Diablo I played. Sadly, I never played their sequels because by that time I was not that big into video games. Um, and those video games are not what I would consider casual video games. Like you gotta have to have some time to sit down and commit to, to playing those if you're going to do them right. Um, and by the time they came around, I was kind of too busy doing other things to, you know, sort of do that. Um, When I was in the Navy, I got my first exposure to the original PlayStation, um, on which we played a lot of, you know, RPG-type games. I remember there was... I can't remember if it was called Battletech or MechWarrior. Same concept, giant mech thing that you run around and shoot other mechs with. Uh, That on the PS1 was awesome. Uh, I later got a version of that for my computer. Um, and particularly the mercenaries expansion was fun because instead of just running missions and, you know, winning or losing, uh, when you took damage in your mission, like that persisted. And like when you blew up your enemy, you could salvage their parts and make money and you had to pay to repair or get upgrades and you could make your mech better rather than just jumping in a standard mech and shooting, shooting it out with the folks. Um, enjoyed that. Um, while I'm talking Mech Warrior and talking video games, um, after boot camp, but before I went to A school, we went into Chicago, and that was my first exposure to the, uh, the Mech Warrior pods, and basically what it is, is they have these pods that you sit in that have multiple screens and multiple joysticks and switches that are basically mock-ups of what it would be if you were in one of these mechs and they were all networked together and you could play together as a team in this little unit and I want to say they also had like awesome speaker systems and maybe like rumble seats so that when you took a hit you could feel it like sort of force feedback kind of style thing and again this would have been in 95 before a lot of that kind of thing was common um and that was good times uh, me and a bunch of buddies from went and got in there and fought up against uh, you know another group of folk uh and it was cool because it was great to play and there were like radios inside of them so you can communicate with your team and strategize and whatever uh and like when you were done you could go outside and they had a bunch of screens that would like show you the replay like an overhead view and a view from each of your you know mechs what it looked like and you could basically watch the whole battle play out uh as it went um which was super awesome. They still have those pods every year at Origins. Uh, when we go to the Origins Game Fair here in Columbus, um, they have those pods there. And every year I'm tempted to try and, and check them out. But um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just nostalgia is why it's awesome or if I would still think it were awesome. Um, I also feel like that would be... that part of what made that fun is doing it with a bunch of guys that I knew. Um, I feel like just hopping in one solo wouldn't be the same. And I kind of feel like Abby and the girls wouldn't be into it. (laughs) So, uh, I think I'm just going to chalk that up to nostalgia and not revisit those in the future. Um, and just enjoy my memories. Um, but I've sidetracked enough on MechWarrior and Battletech. Um, We were going through the chronology of video games. Um, Back in the day, I really enjoyed the the first-person shooters. Um, Back when you didn't use a mouse, it was all keyboard. You would use the arrow keys to turn left or right. The up key moved you forward, the back key moved you back. Um, At some point in time, they shifted from that control thing to where you use the mouse to basically look and then going forward, push makes you go in that direction. And I've never been able to adapt to that style of motion. Uh, and every time I've tried, you know, my character just sort of randomly rambles around the battlefield. Like he's drunk. Uh, Cause I can't coordinate the, Oh, look this way, but move this other direction or shoot, like, it's just never worked, which is a shame, because Star Wars Battlefront all uses that control mechanism, and I love the look and the concept of the Battlefront games, because I'm a huge Star Wars dork, but I can't play them to save my soul. I, 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 I'm i on the battlefield for two seconds, and I get wasted by a stormtrooper, or a rebel, or whoever it is that I'm fighting against, I'm just toast. Um, so, you know... Halo, Fortnite, Battlefront, um, any of those kinds of games, I have not played them because I can't, um, I just have never gotten into the feel for that control style, have never wanted to put the time in to figure that out, um, so sadly those are lost to me, um, After I got out of the Navy, um, was living in Florida, a buddy of mine had a PS2, which we played a lot of, uh, top PS2 game, in my opinion, is Dave Mira BMX 2, I believe, um, where you're on a BMX bike and you basically go around, you know, various skate park type things doing tricks, um, I love that game, I played the crud out of that game. Uh, the soundtrack was awesome, the gameplay was awesome, um, later here in life, uh, Lily was gifted an old PS2 by her uncle, and I found Dave Mira BMX2 in a half-price books and bought it so that I could play it, uh, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, I was at home by myself, and was like, yeah, we'll give this a whirl, and played it, and it's still just as awesome, um, So I've played the PS2, I've never played a PS, anything, anything PlayStation higher than a PS2, just because I've never owned one, haven't hung out with many people who've had one where I've also had the time and inclination to play it. Um, for all that matter, um, after the original NES Nintendo system, uh, I'd not played on another Nintendo console until the Wii came out, the original Wii. I had, uh, when I was in Florida, and then we had, again, uh, here in Ohio, um, I liked the Wii, I enjoyed the Wii, um, things like Wii Sports were super fun for me, being able to, you know, box and golf, uh, it was a little more interactive than just sitting on my can playing a game, and I kind of liked that, um, Abby had an Xbox when I met her, um, we didn't really play the Xbox much. The Xbox was pretty much used as a DVD player for the most part. Uh, there was one point where we came across one of the Grand Theft Auto games for cheap. And we put, you know, we bought it and pl- I think I played that for maybe a lump sum total of six hours spaced over like two weeks. Like, it's a good game. It's fun. But I just had other things to do with my time. Um... Lately, video games for me are things that are on my tablet or my phone. I, you know, play video games that way rather than through a console. Um, and that's sort of a, a shifting scale of things um, that, frankly, as I just pulled into my parking spot, is, is more than we're likely to get into today. Perhaps in the future we can, you know, go over my, you know, top picks, top app iPhone games. Um, but we'll skip that for now. Um, so that's an abbreviated video game history Hunter. Uh, I hope that gave you what you were looking for. Uh, if not, let me know and I can, uh, you know, ramble on about video games in another way, if you prefer. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed this, uh, thanks for, thanks for listening, um, and until next time, I, I hope you have a good one, thanks. I bet you thought that was the end of the episode, uh, you wouldn't be too far off there because I thought the same thing myself, um, but after I got out of my car, um, I come to find out that uh, Wedged in My Doorway uh, was a delivery from UPS, uh, which oddly enough is video game related. Um, and there's nobody at home but me and the cats, so I figured I'd slap in the headphones and, and just carry on recording. So here we go. Um, what was delivered to my door today um, is something that sort of brings the whole thing back around full circle. In that it is the Super Nintendo, uh, classic edition that they're now selling. That are the mini consoles that have all the the preloaded games on them. Um, Abby very much wanted one of these, um, around Christmas time. Um, specifically I think she would have paid for the thing if all it had on it was Donkey Kong Country. Um... Luckily this has a whole bunch of other games on it, which is pretty sweet. Um funny bit about that, uh when we went to go acquire the the, the classic edition Super Nintendo deal uh at the local local target, uh they were out of stock, uh which made us sad. And so I amid- immediately hopped on their website and ordered one to be delivered, uh, which was supposed to have been here I wanna say about a week ago. Um and for whatever reason that ended up not happening. So late last week, in anticipation of video gameness, we found ourselves at Target. And they had the classic Nintendo um all in one console thing, which personally would have been my preference anyway, because it's got Castlevania and Legend of Zelda, and those sorts of games, the ones that I'm more familiar with, remember, I always played the old Nintendo, not the Super Nintendo. Abby, being a younger person, is more familiar with the Super Nintendo. Um, And so we picked that up also, um, and have been playing that. Abby has been crushing it at uh, Super Mario 3 over the course of the past uh, several days. Uh, So now the Super Nintendo version has arrived, and I fully anticipate... Losing access to my wife uh, for hours and hours to come by virtue of our friends uh, with Donkey Kong Country, uh, which is fine uh, because she enjoys it and I enjoy seeing her as a happy camper, um, and it also means that I can go over into my side of the basement and you know mess around with you know assembling and painting minis uh, or you know sorting magic cards or any of the other dorky things that I do that are not very socially, uh, useful for the two of us to do together, uh, gives, gives her a thing to do, um, and me a thing to do, and we're all happy, and it's all golden, um, but, uh, it it just seemed too, uh, apropos to finish the podcast, and then immediately darn near stumble on a video console, uh, in my doorstep, and not come back to y'all and mention that, so, um, Just thought I'd tag that on here at the end. Uh, Once again, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Catch you around later. And that's it.